Michael Sonbert and Antonio Vance have held nearly every job in K-12 education. They've coached, trained, and partnered with thousands of teachers and school leaders from over 100 cities and eight countries around the world. They are Skyrocket Educator Training, and these are their informal observations. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Informal Observations with Skyrocket Educator Training. I'm Michael Sommert, the founder of Skyrocket, here as always. As always. As always. With the good doctor, Dr. Antonio Vance. Antonio, how are you doing? Doing okay, man. I'm doing all right. There's a lot going on in the world, but, you know, I'm hanging in there, man. There is a lot going on in the world, man. We're hoping that the next hour or so, with all the stuff that's going on in the world, that the next hour or so for educators and non-educators can be a little bit of a, a lighter moment, uh, despite all the, all the, just all the... Uh, really heavy stuff that's happening out there in the world. So um, we thank you uh, all for listening to us. And Antonio, before we start with our three questions, I have some big news that I have to share with you. You ready for this? Why do you always want to surprise me? <laughs> I could have told you this before we came on the air. I am not, or I did not. I have a nickname for you. I came up with a, a, a nickname for you that you're going to love. I'm going to, are you sure I'm going to love it? No, you're going to hate it. Um, you have been crushing it in PD so much and you've had people so fixated and so bought in and so mesmerized by you that instead of calling you Dr. Antonio Vance, I am making a motion that we start to refer to you as Dr. Antonio Trance. You put people into a trance. What do you think about that? When do you start drinking again? <laughs> I am officially allowed to have a cocktail eight days from today. I think this is hard as uh, taking its toll. You so you think that alcohol will make me less whatever I am now? Is that the is that the theory here? I yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Well, we we'll see if it takes off. You know that we have. Uh, we just found out today that seven percent of our listeners are are listening to us from India, wow. and. That is awesome. And we also want to know why. So somebody email us. Tell us what you like about the show. And uh, we'd love to hear. I mean, you've, you've, gone to, you've gone to schools in India. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I've, never, I've never been. As, what's the similarities between U.S. Ed and um, education in India, man? Are there a bunch? Um, yeah, there are tons of similarities. I mean, the, the thing that always resonates uh, with me is that children are the same everywhere in the world. Uh, same, you know, things that teachers and leaders deal with um, in the U.S. and in Europe, uh, all over the world. Uh, it's pretty much the same. You wouldn't see anything different in a, a school in India, anywhere else in the world uh, than what you see in your own schools. Right on, man. Well, listen, um, if you listen from India or anywhere, send us an email. Uh, Tell us what you want to hear about. Tell us what you want to, what you want us to talk about. And for everybody listening, uh, our, our audience keeps growing, and we can't thank you all enough for tuning in. On that note, we are going to move, and I'm going to go. I'm going to go with three questions for Dr. Antonio Trance, and uh, that's probably going to be the last time I call you that because you're going to probably smack me next time I see you for coming up with that. Listen, man, this is serious. Our favorite rapper. I, and somebody who we've talked about on this show more than any educator and probably almost more than any topic, DMX, 
he passed away this last week. You you actually were going to go up to White Plains to uh, go show some support at the hospital, right? If he'd made it that extra day, you know, you never got up there, right? Make it, man. I'm I'm still heartbroken. Tell tell me, this is like a this is a this is a real deal, man. I mean, uh, this is not him in his prime, and certainly he had his demons. Uh, but he is by far my favorite rapper. Like. And I put him in my top ten. Uh, he, I put him on my top ten artists of all time. I mean, I'm a I'm a heavy metal kid from Long Island, New York, and my top ten is bands like Metallica and Iron Maiden and stuff like that. And DMX is my only hip hop artist. Uh, hip hop artist in my top ten. Public Enemy is probably right outside my top ten. I, I love I love 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 his music. Tell me, what are some of your reflections, man, on on his music and on his legacy? Yeah, you know, I think back to when I was, um, and I was, you know, disclosed, you know, I was in college uh, when he first came out. So a little older than probably most of our leaders, um, listeners. And, you know, like, I I always, it, I was always inspired uh, by, you know, folks get lost in the surface of, of, of what of what's being said. But I think there's more to listening deeper and understanding uh, the message. And, you know, DMX wanted to be a, a preacher. He had that aspiration. And if you actually listen yeah. um, to the words and listen to the feelings behind them and, and certainly the prayers uh, that, you know, transcend through his albums um, and the ones that are impromptu, uh, there was a message uh, that is, is deeper than I think a lot of folks want to associate with negative things. There were a lot more positive messaging and motivation. I think like through my college career, um, when I would get... It just being in despair and, and just being, you know, sort of over it. Uh, this music really helped me to, you know, energize me and keep me moving. So I've always been a fan. Every album, every song, probably every lyric. Um, like most folks, I've listened to, you know, his music over the last few days to just reminisce and, and, and rethink. But, you know, it was a, a guy that was just normal. He liked, you know, um, we were talking earlier, some of our colleagues that, you know, they had heard, you know, he had a conversation with Gabriel Union and how he liked the Golden Girls, um, and just a regular, normal person who I think, um, unfortunately, those demons um, in the end, you know, we are where we are, but definitely heartbroken. I, uh, th- when I think of DMX, I think of one word. I think of the word authentic, and some, some, you know, and this, this, actually, this conversation reminds me a lot of what we think about, uh, you know, schools and school leaders in some regard, right? I mean, you meet people. I mean, our guest tonight, Sharifa Edwards, who we'll, we'll talk about in a, in a moment, but like like authentic people, right? Like no BS people, right? And 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 when you hear DMX, uh, when you, when you hear him talk, certainly when, when when you hear his music, but when you hear him talk, you you, you heard somebody who is just uh, 100% themselves, 100% authentic, un- unwavering in who they are and in, in what they believed in. And there's a, and even to the very end, right? I mean, like he's not, you know, in, in 2021, there's been this like kind of, cro- I mean, it's happened for years, but there's this like crossover, like, wait, are you a musician or are you an actor or are you like a game show host? Like, you know, like, like, what are you like? Are you like a spokesperson for orange juice or do you like bleed through your eyeballs for your art? And I remember Kurt Cobain's suicide vividly. Uh, and, and, and I remember them being, they were the biggest band in the world. 
and and sold out arenas and number one albums and he and he and he and he, he ended his own life and I'm, I'm not saying that that's a good thing in fact it's it's the polar opposite but i remember after he did that thinking like man like the pain in those songs is so real right that he that this is the choice he made with all the choices that he could have this is the choice he made and I, i'm not going to get into conversations about the depression and things like that i'm i'm sure that there's people folks listening and say that maybe he didn't make a choice right now i'm you maybe you're right I, I don't know but like dmx reminds me of like this similar like level of authenticity right the the pain you heard in the in the albums right the 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 the, the kind of the 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 the, the personal struggle that came out was so real yep. that that it eventually led to his led to his death at, at you know 30 40 50 years earlier than it should have and i don't think that that's a good thing i want to be crystal clear but man there's an authenticity there and i, I want to read you um you remember the you remember the rapper biz marquee of course yeah you you got what i need he like made singing off key a good like uh he made it popular this is what he wrote this 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 stood out to me he said r.i.p dmx no one radiated more agony pain and atomic energy the the Cerber, the cerberus from yonkers who suffered for all of our sins and his own maybe the rawest rapper of all time no pretense or frills just pure adrenaline lawless genius and reckless abandon the struggle incarnate and I was like, wow. <laughs> That's deep. Lawless genius. Pure adrenaline, reckless abandon, right? He suffered for all of our sins and his own. He, he radiated atomic energy, man. And I, I, I read that and it just, it gave me chills. It actually just gave me chills as I read it. So, uh, man, a big loss, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, rest in peace, DMX. We are not going to stop talking about DMX or his music on this show. No chance. My favorite, at the beginning of, uh, uh, what song is it? Oh, at the beginning of Where the Hood At, yeah. he comes in. The song The song just starts. He goes, I'm going to try to do my best DMX impression. I won't do it just. He goes, now I got to deal with this shit. <laughs> the song hasn't even started. It's one second. He goes, and now I got to deal with this shit. And I always think like, DMX, the song just started. What? There's no, there's no shit to the song just started. But that's that's who he just was, like a half a second into his song. So, uh, R.I.P. Man, rest in rest in peace, rest in power. Antonio, tell us something you've learned recently. Well, man, um, a lot in the last several weeks. You know, schools have started to return, and uh, there was a, a great article in Forbes uh, from. Uh, you know, an educator that, you know, a lot of folks will know, Linda Darling Hammond. And she, um, in the article, uh, something that I'm pretty sure that I've talked about, you've talked about, we've talked about at Skyrocket, we talk about it all day, every day. Um, and it's one of our fears. Um, it is just what is the school year going to look like when folks get back? And she talks about, in the article, it's an April 5th article in Forbes. Um, you can look it up. But she has some of the same fears that we've been talking about, you know, worrying about schools coming back, testing and labeling them, tracking them, labeling them as high, average, low, proficient, not proficient, um, this drill, kill, uh, remedial instruction, um, having kids now just sit, you know, sit in front of computers now because, 
you know, we've started this hybrid learning thing and now we're, you know, you know, we don't want to see kids just sitting, you know, on programs, um, excluding students because of behavior and disengagement. And I mean, these are the things that keep us, you know, up all the time and, and keep pushing to do the work. And, you know, I really appreciate her article. She outlined some very uh, specific things that teachers need to do to think about accelerating learning um, and really focusing on uh, that emotional, social, um, and well-being of students and engaging them in authentic ways. And I think that you just brought up the word authentic and she uses that word in her article. Mm. And, you know, it's not the just change the name on a question so that you think, cause you think kids are going to recognize that name and now they'll be able to solve the problem. Um, but just real authentic, um, and culturally responsive learning and really thinking about how you're getting your students to engage in. I mean, it was just a really well-organized article and just really helped inspire me as I help inspire leaders uh, to make sure that they are thinking um, equitably uh, as we reopen schools. So hopefully leaders will not go back. And unfortunately, I've already been in schools and started seeing inklings of, of those old monsters and we're just trying to keep them, push them back in the closet so that we can really rethink um, and, re, and uh, re, reinvent learning. Great, man. I love it. I am, uh, my, my learning is around the importance of seeing it. I, when I, when I was, uh, at mastery at the, at the time you were there, um, my, my, uh, one of my roles was, uh, director of strategic partnerships, which, you know, and I would host, uh, school visits. Folks would come from other cities, other states, uh, other countries at times and come visit Mastery. And I was in charge of giving those people, uh, you know, being their host for the day and, and just taking them to lunch or bringing lunch in rather. Uh, and I've, I've often said there's no glamorous job in, ur in urban education, but if there was one, that was it because it was a real easy gig and you got to hang out with people and they were just like, you know, and a lot of times in awe and you just got to talk about the work, uh, and, and meet folks from, from all over and, you know, exchange contact info and, and stuff. But I, I, I guess in my heart, I was thinking on this recently, I never really thought that those sessions were valuable, um, because folks were going to leave and they weren't going to be able to actually do the stuff that we were doing. And, you know, you know, and we practice at Skyrocket, it's not about the thing. It's about how well you do the thing and you can go see somebody doing X thing. And that's cool, I guess, but you're not going to be able to do it any better because of that. But I, I heard somebody speaking recently and they were just talking about the importance of seeing it, seeing it done, seeing like an effective company being run, seeing somebody effectively parenting their child, seeing somebody like whatever it is, right? And that you're not going to get better because of that. But man, to see what something can look like, uh, even though it won't make you one inkling better, it can let you know what the bar uh, could be and even should be. And so I was thinking about when we when we get back to a place where school visits are more uh, possible, I think it makes a lot of sense for like people don't do that stuff enough in schools for obvious reasons. It's hard to get folks to leave everybody to leave one building and go somewhere else. But man, I think that that's something we should think about with a lot of our partner schools to go see what it looks like somewhere else. Um, not that it's perfect, but they might be doing stuff that you didn't think was possible. I mean, when I, when I was with mastery, I went up to, uh, achievement first with some other, maybe it was success academies. I don't remember which school it was, but we went up to a school 
and their students were reading, their middle school students were reading 40 books a year. 40. Ours were reading 10. Um, same kids, right? Like we just, I went back and I was like, yo, we got, like, we've got to up our game and seeing them do it didn't make us better, but it showed me what, it showed me what the bar could be. Um, Antonio, final question before we get to our friend Sharifa Edwards, what, if anything, are you drinking tonight? Oh yeah. I'm having a drink tonight. Um, yeah. Oh, I am back. To the original OG, all right. Oh. My, my Hendrix gin and um, a little bit of pineapple juice and orange juice, like a little, you know, punch to it. And I added a little bit of champagne on top for like just a little bit of kick. Um, and I'm not drinking out of a plastic cup. I actually have a glass this time. You can hear the, the ice. No more plastic cups. <laughs> I cannot wait until you you and I are hanging out. I'm off this uh, 75 hard. And you were trying to put champagne and pineapple juice <laughs> into the drink that I hand you, which is going to be four straight inches of tequila or bourbon or something. And you're trying to put champagne on the top of that. And I'm not going to let you. Um, that does sound delicious, man. I'm drinking water. I'm drinking. I'm going through these gallon jugs. I'm drinking. I'm finishing my gallon by about two in the afternoon and then drinking a bunch more of these uh, 16.9 ounces. So eight more days until I can have a cocktail. I already have the day planned out, uh, but I'm drinking water. Water. My Long Island accent just came out. I'm drinking water. Hopefully our uh, guest is having a drink. Somebody has to have a drink with me, and then I'm going to feel some kind of way. Well, our guest, from what I understand, is addicted to her Peloton and is drinking tons of water as well and might be doing some sort of 75 hard hybrid. And so why don't we bring her out? Now there are people, let me do this intro because there are people in this work that you and I are in Antonio that call bullshit whenever they see it. And there are people that tell people exactly what's on their mind when that when those people are not doing what's best for kids and there are people that just don't care about the politics of it all and don't care about the systems and the structures and just tell people exactly what they need to do to be better for kids those people exist and then there's sharifa edwards who makes those people seem like a bunch of shrinking violets and a bunch of frady cats this woman was a social studies teacher and instructional coach and assistant principal, a principal, and now she's a program director for the Philadelphia Academy of School Leaders. Her name is Sharifa Edwards. We're psyched to have her on the show. Sharifa, how are you? Welcome, welcome, welcome to Informal Observations. I'm excited to be here, but that intro, I, I, that <laughs> intro was something else. I feel like the, the bar has been set high. And I hope disappointment isn't soon to follow. Hey, one of our mantras at uh, Skyrocket is that pressure is a privilege, right? You don't have pressure if you're not in in an important position. So we put a little pressure on you here to deliver. And I know you, we know you're going to rise to the occasion. Before we start, Sharifa, what, what, if anything, are you drinking? I am drinking. I heard the intro around my Peloton and drinking water. So I have a gallon jug as well. Mine has timestamps throughout the day. I'm sorry, Antonio. I would join you, but not today. 
Uh, mine has timestamps that tell me when to finish. My timestamp says I should be at 11 a.m. It is 5 p.m. So that's how my day has been going on this water. <laughs> so I'm over here mainlining water today. You got to start chugging. Um, yeah. The, Sharifa recently told us, we'll get to the work in a moment, but Sharifa, you recently told us that you're going to have a vaccination party uh, of people, only people who've been vaccinated, and that you're going to invite uh, Antonio and I, we're, we're going to come, uh, our what's that? All the listeners too. Are they invited? There's a backyard setup. We can podcast live from the backyard. <laughs> However y'all want to do, we're ready. We've got to show <laughs> vaccination cards before we come in. Um, so that could be a good, a good place for us. I hope you're not going to be drinking water at that event or will you? Oh no. Oh, no, 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 no. Water will not even be made available at that event. This is, this is, this is we have a year and a half to go ahead and unpack here. Water will not be served. That's right. That's right. But uh, before we get started, tell us uh, any reflections on, on DMX. What's on your mind? Man, that, that tribute that, I'll, I'll call it a tribute, but I guess it's like the opening convo hit me in the heart, man. Like, I think your conversation around authenticity is exactly what I think about when I think about DMX and when I, I mean, I was in, I was in high school <laughs> and now I'm owning that because I, I like the sound of that better than saying I was in college. Um, right. I was in high school at the time. And I think, I mean, that's just the appeal of, that's what hip hop is at the end of the day. That's what rap is at the end of the day. But even within the genre, you then get these outliers that just, when they open their mouth and they speak, it's like, what is coming, what is within you to bring that out of you? Right. Um, and for me, that's where DMX hit, right? Like as a high school kid, you know, you're going through your emotions and your whatnots and trying to figure out who you are and people are trying to shape you, you're trying to shape you. And then DMX just shows you what's real. Um, and so for me, that's, that's, those are the feelings that I have when I hear him. Um, and your pushes around authenticity is like, I think that's where I get it. It's it's that idea of be who you are in all spaces, all the time, full throttle. You're going to take the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it, all the time, because that's who you are. And I think there's very, very few people that operate that way and live that way. Um, and it's a blessing to live that way. And I think to your point also about like seeing it, he showed us what that looks like. He showed us what's possible when you live mm. in a really authentic way and when you speak in an authentic way. And I think the outpouring of love that's happening after his loss is, is a testament to what happens when you walk in your truth, regardless of what others may think. He was ahead of his time. He was amazing. I mean, it was a gift to have him for as long as we did. Oh man, so perfect, perfect, perfect points there. I couldn't agree more. Let's, uh, and thanks for that, Sharifa. Let's, let's talk schools. Right, you have you've had every job in schools. <laughs> also, you've worked in the uh, the funding space, the yeah. leader development. Some call it like the ed adjacent space. And so, talk about like are these are these worlds aligned? Is what's happening in the the kind of the funding ed adjacent leadership development space? Is it aligned to what's happening in schools? And if not, well, what are some of the misses? And and how can folks get more aligned? Talk to us about that. Yeah, I mean, I think. I mean, the short answer is absolutely not, okay. in, in my very humble um, opinion. Uh, I don't think that the problem is the misalignment, right? I think at the end of the day, we know 
what happens in schools, um, children in schools, communities around schools, that is the work that we are rooted in, right? Every day, the ills of the world, the best of the world show up every day at our doorstep at a school. The world that the funding world and the philanthropic world in their in personal lives and then just like their business lives and the way where their orbits are is not that world, right? The reality of the children in schools is not the same world that the reality of funders in this philanthropic space live. Um, and I it's it, it's it's in the gray area between there where the ineffectiveness comes. Right, so the funder world is has assumptions, thoughts, opinions, beliefs around what's happening and needs to happen in schools, um, which are not necessarily aligned with what happens. And at the end of the day, schools are wanting and looking for funding resources, et cetera, and they don't speak the language of the funding world to get access to what they can provide. And so that disconnect between the two makes it really difficult to align on things that result in transformational change in schools for sure. Um, yeah. And so, um, just, just to kind of piggyback off that, um, you know, what's the, what's the, what's the root of that, right? What is the, what is the root of it? Is that the, is it that the people that are signing the checks, I mean, you and I have spoken about this and the three of us have spoken about this, that it's not the, the fancy (laughs) new program. Um, it's not, it's not the, it's not the new initiative that it is. Uh, you know, every single time, uh, w- without fail, it's the the granular, day to day, hour to hour, minute by minute execution of the work uh, on, in schools on the ground floor. That is the stuff that leads to change. Is it is it just that that's not sexy to people who are who are signing checks, or that it's just it's like a hard? Is it a hard sell? Is it is it much easier to sell a new math program that you know supposedly accelerates learning, you know, makes uh, packs two and a half years of learning into into six months, or is it is it? Is, I mean, tell, tell what what are your thoughts there? Yeah, for sure. I think I think a lot a lot of that is is true, right? Like when we talk about, especially if we're talking about like the people development, which a lot of this work is, right? My orientation around the work is really around like pe- this is people work. Um, it's not sexy. It's not sexy. It's not flashy. It's 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 hard to put on a you know a flyer that's like, hey, I funded five hours of direct support one on one working on school systems with one leader today. Imagine how exciting <laughs> that sounds, right? Versus like this new cutting edge math program that's equally as inefficient as all the ones before, but this one has a really great packaging this time, right? That folks can get behind in a very well-intentioned way. What I will say also in the funding space, to be fair, right? Like, it's not a bunch of, you know, I don't want to demonize that space, right? Because there there is well-intentioned people trying to make well-intentioned impact. Um, The problem is that intentions and impact are different and um, it's really hard to breach to breach the gap. So yeah, I think some of it is that it's not sexy. Um, it doesn't look great, right? Like, and it's also not short term. I think also what happens in the funding space is like, oh great, so if I throw a mill at this, then next year we're gonna outperform the city. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah. 
like this is this is a marathon right this is a marathon this isn't a sprint and it takes time and it's um it takes time it takes intentionality and there's a lot of factors at play and as soon as you think you've made progress on one piece here comes a whole nother piece that you need to keep grinding through um to address and i just think that sometimes it's hard to make a case for for that if you're not already rooted in understanding how that work really looks great um sharifa you know um i mean currently you support um, about you know 65 or more schools across um, uh, Philadelphia, and you're a highly effective school leader, trainer, and you design and facilitate lots of trainings. What makes a training effective? What what makes that really stick and, and really work? I mean, I'd say at the, at the outset, for sure, I think the problem with a lot of, well, before I say the problem with a lot of trainings, I will say, I think what makes a training effective is from the outset, it has to be rooted in a clear and true intention to change practice, right? right? Like, is that the intention of the training? Good, now let's talk about how to do that. I think sometimes trainings are set up and that may not even be the clear intention, right? Like what is the clear change in practice that you want to impart coming out of this? And then, so outside of that, I mean, I think it follows the age old thing. I mean, this is skyrocket jumps on this, relay jumps on the, you know, when you think about, see it, name it, do it, right? When you think about paint it clear, what's the exemplar here? How how does this, whatever your training actually look in its highest form? What are your steps to actually get there? And then we're gonna spend the rest of the time hunkered down and practice and work around getting some muscle memory around doing that thing, right? So a training is a very active situation. It's not a sit and get. It's no longer these like talking heads that talk to you about what they read in a book somewhere. Um, and some research. I mean, I, I appreciate research-based practices, but what does it look like in practice and grounding it and really what is the action of the training, I think is what makes it effective. It also is what makes it engaging, right? Um, ineffective trainings are the antithesis of that, right? So- I was about to ask look- the things that we're missing and, and you know, we, we all sit through PDs and, and trainings. What is it that, that folks are miss- missing that's making everything just fall absolutely flat. Yes, the action, right? Like it's it all of this is the action when you think about it. When you think about developing people like that's an action-based task. It's not a let me t- if it, if 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 change of practice was as simple as I'm just going to tell you and then you're going to do it and right. then everything will be different. Sign me up for that one. Like <laughs> I haven't sat in that training. <laughs> like, if that's the case, I got a lot of trainings to give. I'm ready, right? But the reality is like training resulting in change behavior has to be really thought out and intentional and provide a lot of opportunity for clear practice aligned to a clear vision and exemplar of what this actually looks like in practice, right? And it's a really difficult thing to plan pro- to, to create trainings like that, to, to facilitate and execute trainings on like, like that. I think it takes a, a, a level of skill that also, a lot of folks don't haven't been invested in, right? So there's a lot of folks that'll talk to me all day, want to wax and wane about academics and instruction. But you put them in in any one of our schools with 35 kids and a teacher that's struggling, and their 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 PD quickly falls apart. Right? Yeah. Like, oh, um, yeah, I'll take notes on this and I'll tell you more about it at next week's PD. That's not effective training, right? Effective training is rooted in 
here's the situation, here's the steps that you take every single time. And now I'm going to hit you with a barrage of examples and we're going to play and practice and get as many at bats together as possible. So when you're in real life scenario, you can rely back on this practice and your vision for the exemplar has changed as a result of engaging with me at this training, which is just a different way, I think, unfortunately, than a lot of people receive right. development. Absolutely. And yeah. I think that uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Antonio, but I think that a lot of people, and we've talked about this in the past, but people see PD as an endpoint. People see professional development as the, like, it's not, it's not, it's the, it's the appetizer, right? We've jokingly said that it's the, it's the sip of wine that you get at the restaurant, what that the waiter or waitress pours to make sure that the bottle is okay, but then there's still the bottle or then there's still the whole meal and that. Uh, anybody who's thinking in this work that a, that a, a four-hour training or an eight-hour training is going to make any measurable difference. I mean, all the, all the data, all the research says that that stuff makes no difference at all or, or almost no difference at all. It's the actual execution in buildings, the side-by-side on-site work that actually changes practice. The, the PD could be a, 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 nice, a nice kickoff, but there's yeah. got to be that, that other work to really affect change. Yeah. I I couldn't agree more. I just think it's hard to get it's hard it's hard to get it and it also takes again speaking from I mean we deliver trainings but also you know when we were all in the seat doing the work as leaders as well it's really I mean there's a level of intentionality that needs to happen around I'm giving you this appetizer and then I'm also aligning all of your experiences to make sure that I keep getting at bats at this. And I'm yeah. going to be unrelenting and unwavering and I'm not jumping to the next thing until we master this thing. There's a level of intentionality and restraint uh, that goes into really developing a skill, right? One skill at a time, uh, which is really, really difficult. Yes, you know, Sharifa, this makes me think about, you know, professional development is just one aspect of a, a leader's job. And we've talked about um, leader accountability. In other words, you know, thinking about how leaders own the things that they miss inside of their building, um, as opposed to like attributing those misses to other things. What have you been, what have you been seeing? Has there been progress in this around leaders really thinking about their accountability inside of their building instead of, I mean, you know, you hear, oh, the teachers didn't change their practice because, oh, PD's on a Friday and they weren't there or the, te- the, the teacher's this. Um, if there is a way or what, what have you been thinking about um, around teacher and leader accountability? I mean, this is a tough one. I think this is one of the hardest and most, but also most crucial, right? Skills and orientations to acquire as an educator. And I, I don't. And I specifically say educator, because I'm not just saying like a, a principal needs to be the one that's accountable. Any human being that interacts and engages with children need to have an orientation around accountability, right? All levels at all times. And I think it's incredibly hard to acquire that, right? So when, when we talk about accountability, it's around like before you, you're, you're constantly assessing situations to determine what is the root cause on why this doesn't look like it looks and where did I go wrong in doing that? And how can I make an adjustment right now? It always starts and ends with you. It sounds good. And I think there would be very few people that would like on its face struggle with that concept. That concept is hard as hell. You hear me? Mm -hmm. Like you, you mean to tell me that I am 
at times feeling like a cog in a wheel of this educational machine that is rolling. And there are 50 billion external factors <laughs> that go into why my school is struggling and looks wildly different than the school in the suburb 15 minutes away. And you mean to tell me that you want me to sit down and blame myself for every single thing that happens inside of this building. <laughs> and with a straight face, I tell you yes. And if you don't kick me out, I will tell you why, right? Like, but it's really, really I mean, that sounds insane. Like who wants it? That's your job every day, every single day that you are in this work, you will constantly feel like shit because there is something wrong and I'm the source of it and I need to fix it. Yeah. How, and how do we push leaders to, to move here? Yeah. How do we push them to say like, yeah, this is, this is the work. This is it. Yeah. Here, well, here's what I'll say. Like, as hard as that is, as a lead up to talking about accountability, what I will say, it is also incredibly empowering once you really embody that, right? Once you fully control what's in your locus of control, you are a badass of that locus of control, right? And then you are the one that is crafting an initiative and then owning it and like, nah, I'm doing this. I believe in this. This is going to happen. This is going to go well. Oh, wait. Oh, I need to make a tweak. Hold on, let me just make a tweak to my system to fix it. And you, there's a level of empowerment and confidence that actually comes with accountability that seems antithetical, but it's not. It, it's inherent, right? And it and it's it's empowering and it builds confidence in a way that it's it's hard to get people to ex to understand that. But once you have that, you realize, oh wait, I do control this. I do run this. I can, I see the changes that are happening as a result of me directly taking action on this thing. Let me expand my locus of control a little bit. You know, I didn't like this other thing over there too. Let me take that on and own that too. Let me take that on and own that too. And before you know it, you naturally continue to expand your locus of control, take initiatives that you believe in, own the misses, make adjustments, realize it's not the end of the world. And before you know it, your entire orbit starts to change. Um, and that that is what is really exciting. And I think selling leaders on that and then identifying and showing them in the moment, moments when that is working is what allows that to happen. Got it. Awesome. Awesome. Um, one of the one of the things that we've talked about in the past is well, we've talked about it on the show, but then the three of us have talked about it, Sharifa, which is uh, work around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I don't want to uh, miss kind of quote you here, but from my memory, you've spoken about that work. You know, everybody right now is talking about DEI and everybody's on the forefront with DEI and they're, they're talking about DEI in their meetings. But what the way you've spoken about it, at least the way I perceived it is like, hey, that's all well and good. Once we get actual school and instruction and leadership figured out. And that feels like a different perspective from so many people who are currently working in uh, K-12 ed right now. And so am I, is my memory of that correct? And if so, like, can you speak to this piece? What's, what do you think about that work? Yeah. So, I mean, not quite all the way correct. <laughs> in part. <laughs> I will correct you. No, please, please. But, um, no, but we can talk about that. I mean, I think it's definitely not an, an, an afterthought. Anything having to do with diversity, equity, inclusion, liberation, whatever you want, whatever the, the jazzy tagline you want to call it, it is actually at the end of the day, recognizing 
our children and our backgrounds and the history of this country as pervasive and ongoing and oppressive, yeah. whatever the tagline is that'll make you care about that, call it that, first of all. Secondly, I'd say that it is inherently the work. So there is no before or after, it is. Like it, 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 it inherently is, right? Um, I was just sharing with, with leaders earlier this week Laurent Bennett had had this quote who he said like an educator in a system of oppression is either a revolutionary or an oppressor mm. full stop yep. there is no like I'm a revolutionary but sometimes on the side I oppress right or like, uh, yeah, yeah, or like yeah. I'm not all the way an oppressor because sometimes I do this lesson plan like that's right, not right. what this is about and so I, I, I would just correct that to say by no means do I think there is a before you focus on DEI, right? To liberate is an action word, is where I come from. And so my orientation here comes from, especially now, everybody wants to have a conversation about Black people, right? Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of that conversation, desire for conversation, um, is, is, is rooted in covering your ass around a lot of things that have been really problematic for a really long time. Right. Yep. And so it's not rooted in action. It's not rooted, rooted in a desire to change action. Mm. It's rooted in a desire to just talk and talk and talk. And hopefully if we talk enough, folks won't really notice that we're not doing none of the shit that we've been talking about. Mm. That I'm not with. Right. In the same way that I'm not with when teachers would, would want to, you know, I when teachers want to talk and talk and talk about equity and race and the system and these things need to change and those things need to change. I'm here to talk with you about that all day, every day, but why when I walk to your classroom, is it a destructive place for children to be? Mm. Why is it that you haven't pre prepared a dynamic lesson to engage children in? Why is it that your expectations for children are on the floor mm. and nowhere to be seen, right? Yeah. Why is it that within your locus of control, you are not exhibiting excellence for children? Yeah. That, my friend, is actually equity work, right? Fixing and shoring up what happens in the educational experience of children is equity work. So until, until you are performing within your sphere um, in a way, right, that validates the experience of children, I don't have any theoretical conversations to talk to you about, about the post you saw on Instagram and how it made you feel, okay? Like that's not the time for that. So I, I want to be clear about that around the like, same way that I hear, you know, leaders are doing the same, like, oh, yeah, like, let's talk more. I read, you know, um, I, I'm, I've read White Fragility. I'm reading White Fragility with my staff. And this is wonderful. I think that is great. Can we talk about why your staff is completely all white and you haven't hired a person of color in years? Yeah. Can we talk about why you haven't reassessed your curriculum and you're still teaching Christopher Columbus was a savior to the country to, to children every day. That's fully within your locus of control and you're not operating well. Why is it that I walk into your building and your arrival process is damaging to children to start their day and warrants violence? Let's get that together as a form of equity work. Um, so that's what I mean. So maybe there might have been some misconstruing there, but what I mean is, <laughs> I, it doesn't. I, I want to be clear that it doesn't come after, but it is an action word that is consistent. And a conversation. Let's not construe conversation with action, right? Um, who was it? Lacey Robinson, the CEO 
uh, president and CEO of Unbound Ed, right? She said, justice is in the details of teaching and learning. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. my orientation. Like, that's yeah. where I believe, like, I, I, I would always say to kids, like, the most revolutionary act that you can engage in is teaching a black child well. Yeah. So when in doubt, teach your ass off. Yeah, it's uh, and thanks for the thanks for the the the, the clarification <laughs> and the pushes around that. And I, what I'm hearing is something that we you know we talked about this on on our last episode. We called it the uh, the equity hypocrisy, and it's around the idea of we're going to read articles, and we're going to talk to our board or our yep. superintendent or our CEO or whomever it is. And we're going to say, they're going to say, are you doing DEI work? And we're going to say, yeah, yeah, we're doing it. Um, but it's going to be an article uh, or it's going to be, you know, a, a, quick, a quick video. Uh, but then the actual, the, the actual things that are happening on the day-to-day -day basis, um, hour to hour, minute by minute, are going to be the opposite of equity. Uh, and um, yeah, no, I, I appreciate your perspective on that. And it's one that, uh, I mean, yeah, me personally, uh, I, I think I, you might as well just not do it. It's so it's so obviously it's so obviously um, performative and something that is not um, actually doing doing any good. Uh, it's my that's my opinion. Um, I don't know if I'm right, but like I go to schools and they're like doing this kind of ad hoc DEI stuff. That's not that's not changing anything, and their and their actions aren't 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 uh, reflecting it. Um, let's and Sharifa, thank you. Let's let's pivot a little bit. Uh, we have something in common. Um, now you've worked in DC, in Baltimore, in Philly, in New Orleans, Memphis, to name a few places. Um, but you consider yourself a New Yorker. New York is your home. Uh, tell us why, and then what's your favorite thing about New York? Yeah, I mean, I'm a definitely an East Coast girl for sure. Um, and my travels in this work have definitely brought me all over, which has been probably one of the most prolific things about my educational journey is getting to do this work in lots of different regions and see how it manifests differently in the historical underpinnings of this country, how they manifest differently for children in different places. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, tell me, tell me who is more real than a New Yorker. <laughs> I'll wait. I will wait. There is no cordialities. There is no like feigned politeness here get out my way and make haste about it, right? Like, and I appreciate that. Like, I mean, that is also part of my orientation, right? Yeah. Um, DMX was a New Yorker. Hello, somebody. That's um, right, that's right. But yeah, I, I, I just think there's that. I also love the pace, right? At the end of the day, like when I was in the South, working in the South, great place. Southern listeners, don't come for me. Wonderful. <laughs> love it. It's the best. Um, but there's, there's a... There's a there's a cultural norm around slowness that some find charming. And like, <laughs> we're just gonna take, you know, we're just gonna take our time. We're gonna stroll, we gonna <laughs> talk, and we gonna, I'd, I'm moving. I'm moving with a, with, with a sense of urgency. <laughs> it's ABC, see, great, let's go. Um, and I just love that. I love that. I think it, it keeps it keeps things exciting. It keeps things urgent. It keeps you on your toes. It keeps you moving. And I just I, I so deeply appreciate straight up candor. You know where you stand all day. Like nobody is gonna blow smoke up your ass. Like this is 
what it is. If things are working, it's the best party you're ever going to be to. If it's yeah. not, get your shit together. I'm going to tell you how. Um, <laughs> and I love that. <laughs> is that where, is that New York? I mean, I've been in, I've been in uh, meetings with you over the years. One in particular stands out where you were just letting a school team have it. Uh, and I mean, to the point where your boss at the time, uh, who, you know, as somebody had, I know well and think finally, she was like, Sharifa, enough. And you were just letting these folks have it. Um, is that, is that the new, is that the New Yorker in you coming out? I mean, I don't know if it's, I don't, I don't know if I can, if I could put it on just a place, but what I will put something like that on is it's around like, there's just no way you will move me off my purpose. Yeah. Which is educating children and a high quality education for children. There's just no way you're going to move me from that. And to be honest, I think that even as it relates to coaching and development of people, sometimes you just got to know that this is not right. It's not okay. And I'm going to help walk you through across this finish line. Mm. And I'm thinking of referencing of that. At first I was like, what conversation, Michael? I had to go through my Rolodex of conversations. But I remember this conversation I think that you're referencing. And I think you would also say that I was a relentless advocate for this same exact school team. That's right. right? Yeah. Like we definitely had meetings around things were not okay. They were destructive um, and they were violence against children. I will never stand at a round table and assuage that message and soften the blow of that. Because you're not softening the blow you dealing to these kids every day. So yeah. let me give you the truth and then I will work tirelessly and side by side with you to get this together. Um, and I think there's a level of appreciation that actually comes with that um, around naming it and supporting it um, as effective. So. That's it. No. <laughs> no, but I mean, look, uh, there's just no, I think the biggest shock for me when I left Philly and started to work at a lot of schools around the country, I mean, I did that, I did that with mastery, but when I left and started Skyrocket, I was blown away by a few things. I won't talk about them all here, but the, the, the one of them was like politicking in education and politicking with children. And things that sounded like, oh, hey, you know, if you're going to talk to like this, the superintendent from this city, like you've got to do it a certain way because he's X or or she's Y. There was like, oh, I mean, you get You get warnings about like, you know, if, if you're going to come into this city, you know, here's the way to do it. Here's the way to make sure that like you don't like ruffle any feathers. And, um, you know, I just ne I just never cared about that. Uh, I just never cared. And Antonio doesn't care about that. And you sure, you sure as hell don't care about that. And I, I wonder why there aren't more people like that. I, I, I think, I mean, I know I'm going off, like we're going a little bit off on a tangent here, but I, I am like, I don't care. And I don't think you care at either of you. Like I would like, my paycheck is not more important to me than the, the then authentically engaging in this work and doing work that every single second of every day matters and is meant to get people better i would i would i would i, I have i would take my whole family in a in a in a van uh and like and just and live in a freaking van for like before i would before I, which by the way if there's people doing that like cool no judgment i swear to god but like 
that like I like I would I would give up I would give up money like I I, I would I never cared about any of that stuff. I care about the authentically engaging in this working making and making change for kids and families. And I know you all uh, think the same way. And I, I, there are a lot of people who I think are just protecting their, they're protecting their pocketbooks. They're protecting their, they're protecting their paychecks. I mean, am I wrong on that? It's interesting. I, I wonder, <clears throat> well, well, one, let me be the one to, to tell your listeners that Michael is, is dead serious. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> which is which is which is where I think you know our our, our synergy definitely originated. Um, I wonder. I, I, I some of it is protecting paychecks for sure, um, which is a real thing though, right? To name, yeah. which is a real thing. Um, some of it is protecting self interest, and some of it, and I would actually I I, I don't know, but I've been shifting a bit. But I don't even. I think a lot of it. Is protecting the insecurities that a lot of folks don't know what the hell to do. Yeah. Right. And so there is a, some of it is sinister, right? For sure. Right. And and a lot of it is really just around like you don't you don't we are able. I will say that the, the three of us we are able to walk into spaces with a level of confidence around our skill abilities, our commitments, our clarity of vision for what this work means, means to us, how to do it, how to engage, how to coach and develop people. Like there's a level of confidence that we can walk in a space with and say what we want. I can walk into a meeting with folks that can feel intimidating and know there's not gonna be a single person in that room that's gonna educa education talk me under the table, that's yeah. gonna academics me under the table, right? But what if you don't have that level of confidence? What if you mm. don't have that level of skill ability? Then you are able to get blown a little bit more from the left or from the right. And so yeah. especially recently, my, my my mindset on some of this has been, you know, broadening because I think a lot of it, which I guess originates with 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 our orientation or my orientation. You got a dog barking on our podcast. There, there's, <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's definitely neighborhood watch sometimes. But um, <laughs> like, <laughs> To the point, I think that there's a lot of people that it really just comes down to um, what what do I do? And because I don't know what to do, um, I'm making decisions that kind of have me have me waffling. And if that waffle is on the being guided by somebody who knows what to do, that's wonderful. If that waffling is being guided by other folks that may not know what to do, then it then it it's not as good. I think uh, the the thing you're saying to me really resonates, and I want to. So I had this realization recently, and Antonio, I haven't even shared this with you, but I don't think it'll be like new information to you. But I think that folks get a job. You know, the what's it called? It's the Peter Principle that folks are are promoted to the level of their own incompetence. Are you are you all familiar with that term, right? Like folks are, are, are promoted to the level of their own incompetence, right? Hey, you're really good at your job. Let's promote you. Now you're really good at this job. Let's promote you. And then you get to a job where you're like, eh, I don't know how to do this job, right? And I think that A, that that happens in some cases. But I think that B, folks are promoted or folks get a job in a system that's either broken or partially broken or a system that's uh, where politics matter more than, than, than kids. Um, I can picture, you know, leaders I know and leaders with whom we've worked who like, 
yeah, like, you know, I got a couple teachers who, you know, really push back on everything. And I'm like, well, like, what are the conversations you've had with them? Oh, no, like, they're not open to feedback. They're like, and I think that some folks have taken roles where they haven't come in and said, hey, I really want to talk about the organizational culture here. And I know that there's a 20-year veteran down the hallway who's been really tough to deal with for the last three principles, but I'm going to have a conversation with that person on day one. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get their feedback and I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that I'm building culture with them. And I'm going to, I'm even going to say like, Hey, this is what it's just going to look like here. Um, And so I think that folks and multiply that by two dozen things. And so I think that what happens is folks sometimes find themselves in a job where they, they, they haven't set their own, they haven't set their own expectations. Think about a principal who's in front of their staff and half of them are on the phone during a PD. And you'd be like, what's going on? Like, that's such an easy thing. But they've never said, hey, friends, here's how I want to do things here. And I want your feedback on it. But this is, the, this is what success is going to look like in our building. And so now they're finding themselves. And you know these leaders. You both know these leaders. They're, they're, they walk around their school, their hearts pounding out of their chest because they're, they're more afraid of their own staff. And they're more afraid of the different politics in the building then they, they are focused on how I'm going to just impact change. And I, I don't want to say something to this person it, because it might offend them. And I don't want to like do that thing because it might make somebody over here upset. And I think that a lot of it comes from just getting into a role and not from day one working tirelessly to build organizational culture. Maybe they don't know or maybe they don't, they don't, they don't know how. And how many careers are there in the world where this happens when we prepare other folks for roles? Like, it feels like it's only in education that these things uh, keep surfacing and, and are allowed to persist. I want to pivot a little bit, um, Sharifa. So I'm curious in, in all the work that you do and all the sponsoring and, and amazing things you've done, what is something that folks are getting right? What, what, what things have you seen that have been successful in 2021? What have we nailed? What have, what have, what have folks gotten right? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think this is a bit of a hot take, right? Uh, that that I that I have on that on this, but I I believe, and I actually stand squarely on this, and I will make a caveat to say in the secondary space, right? Like, let me make my caveat before I give the hot take. My caveat is in the secondary space. I will say this is true. I believe that since the pandemic and the shutdown, mm. obviously, all of the inequities aside, right? Just thinking about the educational experience of children. This may very well be the first time our children have ever had a real shot at an education and, 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 and strong academic instruction, mm. right? And I say that and I see that in a number of places because working in our schools, there are so many things that occur that push academics, learning, and instruction farther down the priority order, mm. right? There is a fire always, always, right? yeah. whether that be in managing 1,200 children at a time, right? And, and the logistics and the madness of just the sheer size of that, right. um, whether it be like uh, who, what issue is occurring outside of the school that is now in your school, that is now in your lap. It, whether it be who's in the ma- who's in the main office and what's the struggle that's now pulled you away from a teacher observation and support, all of that, all of the lanes on that have been cleared 
And what has been left is innovation, instruction, mm -hmm. teaching, and learning, mm -hmm. right? And this is probably the only time that I can remember. Um, and, I, and, I, and I fear it being the only time we may see based on how folks are having conversation around reentry, that those was the, that was the top of the priority list. The yeah. angry teacher is now just an email in your inbox that you get to when you get to. That raging whoever stormed into your building with whatever thing that was on fire, I'll get to it at six o'clock. I'm in a classroom observation right now. I'm in a meeting with a teacher right now. I'm analyzing data right now. I'm coming up with strong training right now. Um, and so that is what I think has happened in 2021. Again, in the, I, I make that caveat in the secondary space. There are some kids that are thriving thri in schools that are school there. And you guys know this. I think we might be, at least Michael and I have an orientation around one school I'm thinking about that was an absolute train wreck in day to day that is thriving in the virtual space. You click on link after link. What are kids doing? Learning. What are teachers doing? Teaching. Right. Those two things never occurred <laughs> in years prior in that same mm. exact school building. Mm. And so I think for some schools, some situations, this is the best year yet as it relates to teaching and learning in 2021. K2, elementary school, I don't know how you're teaching letter, letter sounds through Zoom. I can't. I, there's a, there's a lot of open conversation for that. <laughs> but in the secondary space, and I think part of this that we're gonna see on reentry from the secondary space is children, young people have gained a level of autonomy and influence Absolutely. because we're on their territory. Absolutely. Oh, nobody know how to run this digital thing like kids do. And yeah. so we've been encroaching on their land while we bumble around on Zoom links. They're over <laughs> here doing, they're over here doing all sorts of other stuff and demanding a way to be engaged that aligns with the way that they learn. And it is going to be a travesty in the secondary space if we don't honor that on return. Absolutely. Sharifa, tell us, you just talked about something that schools are getting right. Um, if you could change one thing, wave a magic wand and change one thing in K-12 education in 2021, not the pandemic, but something like that you 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 know we all we'd all change the pandemic, um, but what's something that you could change in terms of how schools are operating on a day to day basis? <clears throat> one, just right, just one, thing, just one, it. right, yeah. just one. Good lord, I think if I could change just one, is that we don't go back to any semblance of what it looked like before, mm. right? Um, and that is across every single structure, mm. system, setup, orientation my biggest wish is that the whole thing is redesigned, right? Um, yeah, and, and I don't think that that is a pie in the sky ask. That is a very real ask dependent on the willpower and the skill of the people that are leading those buildings. Sharifa Edwards, thank you for joining us on Informal <laughs> Observations. Uh, how's, your, uh, how's your water doing? Have you had any, have you had any of it? Uh, yeah, y'all have me over here. Engaged. I haven't taken a single sip. <laughs> You're going to be drinking water late tonight. Antonio, where's your drink? Is it done? It's done. Oh, round two coming. All right. Um, what about uh, your dog, Sharifa? Is he, uh, is, is, has he drank his water? 
he he just came back upstairs after his neighborhood watch shift and <laughs> is acting like he isn't an absolute terror. So I think he's fine. <laughs> well, listen, Sharifa, we can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Um, I feel like this conversation, though, is kind of just starting. Would you be willing to come back at some point and continue talking with us? Always, always. This is the, y'all are my people. So <laughs> absolutely. Anytime you call, I come. I'd well, love to. And vice versa. Um, well, friends, uh, for Antonio Trance, is that is that has that grown on you at all? No, no, no. it's grown on me. It's happening you every like time it? we engage oh. moving forward. That's what it is. Antonio, <laughs> it, mm, it's such a great nickname. No, but we're not we're not feeling it. No, no, no. no. All right, uh, maybe I'll stop. I'll I'll stop. Um, for Antonio. Uh, and uh, all the folks at Skyrocket want to thank you all for listening. want to thank Sharifa Edwards for coming to join us. We will see you next time on Informal Observations. Until then, keep on rocking. This was Informal Observations with Skyrocket Educator Training. Sign up for our mailing list at wewillskyrocket.com. Look out for our next episode.